Hello and welcome to What Scream, the horror movie podcast, where I, your hosty Green, chats with a guest about horror films. And together we chat about two films that have to do with a topic that I have previously chosen. This episode is the last episode of season two um, before I take a brief break and come back in February with season three. Uh, so this episode is all about adaptations of the author Shirley Jackson who is well known for her works of horror and mystery. Um, she had a writing career that spanned about 20 years. She did six novels, two memoirs and more than 200 short stories. My guest this week is our literary expert, Elaine Pascal, and together we are talking about 1999's uh, The Haunting, a delightful film, um, as well as 2018's We Have Always Lived in the Castle. So yeah, enjoy this chat about two of Shirley Jackson's adaptations. I would like to welcome back to the podcast for our regular literary uh, theme. It is Elaine Pascal. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much for having me back. No bother. It is always a pleasure. Um, I have you on this week and we are talking about um, the author Shirley Jackson, who is infamous for her kind of gothic, ghosty stories, which is very in keeping with the season because, of course, Christmas is a great season for ghost stories. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's um, one I really love, Shirley Jackson. I was just she about to ask you that. <laughs> in terms of writers, yes. Love her. I'm going to admit, I have never read anything. And I feel so bad saying that. It's always been on my like TBR read like uh, mm -hmm. list. And yeah, I mean to. And I'm going to get around. I will. I promise. That will be my New Year's resolution to read some Shirley Jackson. <laughs> I think you will enjoy her. Um, she's a little quirky. Mm. She's a little, you know, quirky. And I really, I think that's one of the things that I value about her. Um, I don't always necessarily write straightforward horror either. Mm. I can kind of go into like bizarre places. So I appreciate yeah. that about her. And a lot of her horror is in line with sort of a feminist bent in that the, there's always this sort of dynamic, and we'll talk about it when we get in our films, between two female characters, one that's very traditional and conservative and yeah. like the woman that you expect her to be, the domestic woman. And then there's the more like aggressive woman. And it's there's always this kind of tension and struggle there, which is really, you know, interesting to me. So she's not just... Like, you know, if, you, if you're a horror fan who's really looking for, like, slasher and extreme horror, Shirley Jackson's not going to give it to you. <laughs> Some people find her to be a bit slow in mm -hmm. terms of writing. Um, but if you really like psychological stuff, she's yeah. very, very good. 
Yeah. Um, and and she's been quite the the kind of the horror mainstay when it comes to adaptation. So of course we've got um yeah. the haunting, we've got the uh, haunting of Hill House, the Mike Flanagan series, yeah. um, and these two films that we're gonna be talking about as well. So would you like to kick us off with the first movie adaptation? Please. Absolutely. So this film is called The Haunting, but it is based sort of loosely on the haunting <laughs> of Hill House. <laughs> there once was a house, a bright, happy home. Something bad happened. Now it sits all alone. Is this where you're going? That's Hill House. It's perfect, isn't it? You all suffer from sleep disorders. My job is to find out why. What's the deal with the Adams Family Mansion? I gotta be honest, I don't get a real strong sleep vibe from this place. <laughs> don't you love it here? This is so twisted. Calling it an insomnia study allows me to create a highly suggestive environment to observe the dynamics of fear. You don't tell the rats, they're actually in a maze. I just think Dr. Marrow's up to something. Have you ever kept something to yourself because you were afraid? All the time. Ah! I'm sorry. You scared the... Um, and it is a 1999 film directed by Jan DeBont, starring Liam Neeson as Dr. David Morrow, Lily Taylor as Nell or Eleanor Nell, Catherine Zeta-Jones as Theo, and Owen Wilson as Luke. And this um, originally started out as a collaboration between Stephen King and Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. And then there was some artistic differences and Stephen King went off to do Rose Red and Steven Spielberg then kept like commissioning yeah. this film, which is about a group of supposedly insomniacs. It's supposed to be a study on insomnia that brings these people together in this really creepy maze-like castle um, to, to find out about their insomnia, but there's sort of this hidden agenda going on with the supernatural. Mm -hmm. yeah i so i remember when this came out because didn't um the remake of house on haunted hill come out around the same time and it was i think so yeah and i always got confused i still get confused between the original house on haunted hill and the haunting as well um so i'd never seen this film before <laughs> And I, I'd seen like the Mike Flanagan series. So I was kind of, I was basing it off that a little bit. But yeah, this film, it is peak. Like, you know, that era of bad CGI. Yes. It is peak. <laughs> it is yes. peak. <laughs> um, it, what it, it totally feels 1999 to oh, me. God, yeah. like, I feel like they tried to insert jump scares mm. and things that really aren't part of the haunting of Hill House. Yeah, because they were trying to like keep that tradition in the late '90s. Like that's sort of what people were expecting in horror. Now I feel like we're a little more sophisticated. I don't know how to say <laughs> it. We're a little more sophisticated <laughs> as a horror audience, where we understand that there's a variety of yeah. types, and it, it, yeah, 
it was silly you know what it was silly um, it was so silly and I think when I was watching it, was it yesterday or the day before, I was in a bit of a silly mood. Um, so I kind of found it quite like funny um, yeah. and quite entertaining, I guess. But I mean, it's set up. We've got Nell, who's played by Lily Taylor, who has been looking after an invalid of a mother. And when their mother dies, she's kind of threatened with eviction by her sister and her husband. And so she ends up going for this um insomnia study that's run by Liam Neeson who actually wants to study fear and then there's also Theo played by Catherine Zeta-Jones and I've got to say I actually really enjoyed Catherine Zeta-Jones in this like she was giving totally like power lesbian vibes Mm. and I was here for it like I actually really enjoyed her in this Okay, which is the character in the book. The character in the book, you know, talks about having a partner and things. It's really, you know, you you do a queer reading with Theo. Again, you have this very active woman and then this very passive woman sort of complementing each other, though, like really working together to be together to be one, you know, solid woman, I guess. (laughs) Shirley Jackson is funny. When you yeah. read her stuff, there is humor in it. She has a, a biting wit. Um, what doesn't work, especially with like the haunting of Hill House, is that a lot of the story is internal. It's mm-hmm. Eleanor and her mind thinking. Like there's this whole, dr- the beginning of the book is her driving to Hill House. Mm-hmm. This long rambling drive. And she's she stopped at a coffee shop and there's this mother and daughter and the daughter's having a temper tantrum because she can't have her cup of stars she's mm. not drinking from her cup of stars and eleanor's watching and eleanor's like yes thinking to herself like yes once they take your cup from, of stars from you like you're nothing like hang on to that cup of stars you know <laughs> and then she, she goes by a house where there's like two statues of lions and there's yeah. these this type of bush so later on in the story she's talking to theo and she's talking to luke and she's like oh yes i live in this apartment and there are these stone lion statues in front and this bush and i i drink from my cup of stars every day like she's mm-hmm. she's out of it like she's really an incredibly unreliable narrator mm-hmm. shirley jackson does this beautiful job of leading us to understand that by seeing how this woman is creating this fantasy world because she's so isolated and lonely. She has nothing. And that's missing from this film. Like you don't mm. get that from this film at all. Yeah. Like I think there's one glimmer of it. She makes up a thing of like who she is or where she's from or something. But yeah, you don't really get that unreliable narrator kind of vibe or that like we know she's been in this really desperate or she is in this desperate um situation, but you don't get that desperation from her mm-hmm. um and this kind of wish to be elsewhere it just as much as you know i i like i do like lily taylor um mm-hmm. it just feels like the characters are very two-dimensional and don't have a lot of like not backstory because we don't need like a full-on backstory about people but just s- something behind them to make them kind of like believable in this like massive gothic haunted mansion it almost felt like they didn't quite belong in that story if that makes sense Mm -hmm. 
especially I found Owen Wilson's character just so annoying. And you know what it you know what it was? It's because he kept saying wow in the Owen Wilson voice. And I just kept thinking about, you know, that um montage of him just saying wow. And I was like, oh God. So that really took me out. <laughs> yeah, they really needed Sebastian Stan from the next film to be gotcha. the Owen Wilson character. Yeah. Like yeah. Owen Wilson didn't quite get the assignment. And and that's okay because the writing was really very <laughs> poor as well. And they I like the characters of the Dudsleys, whatever they are, the caretakers, like the yeah. woman who's like, and no one will hear you scream or not hear after night. And that's in the book, too. And it's really yeah. hilarious in the book that she's constantly reminding them, like, when someone tries to murder you, we're not going to hear you. And <laughs> in the book, also, um, the Liam Neeson character, his wife shows up like okay. midway through with this man who's like her friend or somebody and right. the man has this big gun and it's just it's chaos it's like crazy chaos which was missing from like that this film took itself a little too seriously mm, I that think. was a problem yeah yeah and i haven't seen the 1963 version supposedly that's really good yes it's more it's more i have seen it it's very atmospheric okay. um that kind of tension without there really being anything because it's kind of very psychological whereas mm-hmm. this i mean maybe just because it was the the era of the terrible cgi ghosts like these ghosts mm-hmm. and the children and the oh my god it's just like there's several moments where like eleanor is in bed and on her bed sheets there's like the face of a goat and it's just <laughs> the worst it's so bad that i can't even think like surely back then they were like no this is awful um it's (laughs) i just found this like i mean you're the one that's read it so you're kind of my benchmark but i found the story of being like so this guy he took children from the mill to make them like stuck in the house and now she's apparently related to the wife and it just felt a bit kind of like See, that's not in the book. Right, okay. So, yeah, it felt very convoluted. (laughs) Yeah, they made that up. In the book, there is the Crane family. Yeah. It's also in the Flanagan, you know, the Flanagan story about the Crane family. Um, There's a Crane family, and he made a weird book for his daughter. So, again, we've got, like, the the evil book. Mm. And Shirley Jackson even says that. She says, like, books are responsible for a lot of a lot of bad things or something, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's really Real nose, yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, so there is some sort of weird haunting. And the way the house is set up, the way it was built, um, the architecture is so that you can never, like you think you're above the dining room, but then you realize you're not. Like you're never really sure where things are and things don't lead. It is very maze-like and they tried to capture that. Um, but what goes on in the book is really you're never sure whether Eleanor is behind everything or not. Like whether she's making stuff up, even though Theo witnesses some supernatural things in the house, you're never sure. And, And I'm always struck with the fact that it's called the haunting of Hill house, not the haunted house. Yeah. Like somebody's haunting that house. Yeah. And it's Eleanor. I think because yeah. she she's so off and all these weird things are happening, but you don't know whether it's happening because she has some supernatural connection or whether she's creating these things, whether she's trying to get attention, whether yeah. she's trying to belong and fit in. It's really and then the ending in the book is so amazing. Am I allowed to get the spoiler? Yeah, of course. Yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah. Okay. 
So Owen Wilson doesn't like die in a funny way. <laughs> he doesn't get, I was it, decapitated? So okay, nobody dies in a movie and they are actually telling Eleanor, you have to leave. Hmm. You have to leave this house. You're too much. And she's like, oh, but Theo, I'm going to come live with you. And Theo's like, oh, no, you're not. No, you're not coming. You have to leave. So Eleanor gets in her, her car and she drives her car into a tree. And her very last second, she's like, yay, 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 I'm going. And in the very last second, she's like, oh, my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? And she dies. Yeah. So it's like now she is the ghost haunting Hill House. Yeah. See that would be like now she's a place to be. She's a place to belong. So it's really eerie and and bittersweet. Yeah, yeah, and quite lovely. Whereas this was not. Suddenly, Liam Neeson and Catherine Zeta Jones are like walking into town, like walking up into the bodies in there. Good luck cleaning them up. But yeah, it's just bizarre how they're like. Well, now Nell is going to ascend with to heaven with all these little ghost babies, and you're like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Like. What did I black out? What the hell is going? Like it's just, you know what? I'll give it. I'll give it its set design. Set design was incredible, yeah. and like I loved the weird little like circus mirror kind of like real distorted, which I guess was like, you know, this distorted reality or whatever they're kind of going for. But yeah, it was just. Oh, and I love the garden room. Yes, pool in it. That was cool. Yeah. Like all of those were really beautiful, but it's just shite. Like, it's just yeah. a really bad oh, movie. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. And, and I'm, I'm still like I haven't forgiven Catherine Zeta Jones for thinking she could be Morticia Adams in <laughs> Wednesday. The audacity of that woman! I haven't even I seen can't. it. <laughs> I sat through ten minutes of it, and I'm like, I can't. I can't yeah, do this. I haven't it's got not the... the Adams family. I'm not doing this. I but... just feel like if you're not getting oscar isaac to be gomez what are you even doing with your life yeah. like i think he's just perfect he'd be a perfect gomez anyway <laughs> that's my fantasy <laughs> now did you like the mike i know you're not a huge mike flanagan fan but did you like the mike flanagan haunting of hill house i actually did um so like before this he'd done I think he'd done like Oculus and he'd done Hush and I did not rate either of those so when it was like he came out with this series I was just like you know what I'll give it a go and I actually really enjoyed it because Mm -hmm. I really liked the way he had like his mise-en-scene where he's got his scene set up but nothing's what it seems you could Mm -hmm. be focusing on a character but there's something going on in your periphery and I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed that and I thought you know it got I think it got a bit silly towards the end but I thought Mm. as a ghost story and this kind of encompassing this family is haunted whether it's by ghosts or by their own trauma I thought it was actually all right I I must give it another go though I am I am I do want to give it another go um what did you think of it oh I enjoyed it I really like but I like him I like what he does Unlike this film that took Shirley Jackson and took a big steaming shit all over it and made it, I don't know what, she actually seems like she really loves the source yeah. material and care. Like I just watched Follow the House of Usher and yeah. I'm a big Poe fan. 
So I yeah. loved it because I felt like I felt like he loved Poe too. Like I felt yeah. like he was really trying to pay respect, and that's yeah. how I felt about the haunting of Hill House. Yes, it's not the Shirley Jackson story, mm-hmm. but I felt like he understood the story yeah. and really tried to build onto it in an authentic and caring way. Yeah. So I really did. I thought the acting was very good. I thought this, you know, the, the house was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I loved um, Carla Guguino, whatever her name is. I loved her bathrobe and slips. Everything Mike Flanagan does with, with every time I watch a Mike Flanagan, like film series, I'm always looking up the bathrobes and the, the <laughs> you know what I mean? The nightgown. Yeah, I get They're you. always gorgeous. I don't yeah. know where those but um <laughs> you know, i love that the hanging woman freaked me out when i figured yes. out yeah that, that got me with me that out. reveal yeah yeah definitely i like I, I wouldn't be a big like i didn't really like i didn't finish haunted the blind manor um i'm not a big fan of the source material yeah, anyway as we know um and i didn't like midnight mass because there was just so many monologues i was just like no I cannot. Was, be I love that priest. That priest could talk to me for <laughs> months on end. I loved him. See, I feel the same way about Raul Kailuli, who Kailuli is that his surname? I can't remember who plays. Who's in like Midnight Mass as the sheriff, and he plays mm. one of the the kids in Fall of the House yes. of Usher. Oh, he's um, so good. Yeah, he's in a re- sorry, just sidebar. He's in a really good film called um, Next Exit. Okay, um, that is done by Danny Elfman's daughter, Marley Elfman um oh. and he's fantastic in that as well um but yeah i i wonder right what would have happened to the haunting the 1999 haunting if stephen king and spielberg had stuck with it yeah i haven't seen Red a Rose. big Shirley jackson fan yes yeah. i think stephen king might have reined it in a little tighter yeah and tried to stick closer to the source material mm. that's just my guess yeah um i i kind of think it would have been like i haven't seen is it red rose rose red yeah i haven't, I haven't seen, seen that. that no so i i don't know if uh, apparently it's um uh influenced by it um i I might actually go seek it out just to see whether mm-hmm. you know what what it's like compared to this but i do i do almost wish we'd had that film as opposed to this one mm. It just, you know what it felt like? So the guy, Jan de Bont, he was known for doing Speed and Twister, which are very different films Mm -hmm. from, I mean, like very different. And I just wonder if they had stuck with someone who knew horror and who, like, I don't want to be like, if you're a director of action films, you can't do horror films. That's not true. But I just feel like you need a certain type of filmmaker and director to direct films where it's more about atmosphere rather than action Mm. and I feel like this is what that needed and what it lacks it lacks Mm -hmm. the atmosphere oh it does definitely Mm. yeah you're right spot on Mm -hmm. yeah um so I take it you wouldn't recommend it to horror fans (laughs) (laughs) you said it it's a silly film it's (laughs) I, I don't think anybody should watch The Haunting. Uh, you know, if you want, watch The Haunting, of watch The Plan again if you want to watch something or the 1963. Yeah, definitely. I would 100% agree. It's just got no merit to it. You're not like, you know, sometimes when films are bad, I'm like, I'll watch it for the crack, you know, for, you know, the silliness of it or, you know, watch it for this. But even though I found it very silly, I don't think I'd recommend it to people for being silly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, let's move on to the next film then. So we watched um We Have Always Lived in the Castle. My name is Mary Catherine Blackwood. The Blackwoods have always lived in this house. And we will never leave here, no matter what they say or what they do to us. Never. Father built this gate to keep us safe, but it could not protect him. My mom says you and Constancy right? Holy witch! People here believe Constance killed Father. One of the true, genuine mysteries of our time. There is such a thing as good taste. Have you ever tasted our snack? What are you doing? I heard Father in his room. I feel him coming back. Maricat, it's our cousin, Charles Blackwood. He looks just like father. Has he said anything about leaving? He's our cousin, and he'll go when he's ready. His presence is a strange new spell. We have many plans to make. That chair is my dead brother's chair. I'm going to put death in all their food and watch them die. He was a very wicked man, our father. So we watched We Have Always Lived in the Castle from 2018, directed by Stacey Passon. And it is based on the 1962 novel of the same name, starring Thaisa Farmiga, Alexandra Daddario, Crispin Glover and Sebastian Stan. Um, And it centres on these sisters, 18-year-old Mary Cat or Mary Catherine and her older sister Constance. And they have their uncle Julian, who is, um, he suffers from like kind of dementia and, he, you know, he's in a wheelchair and they live in this massive manor where previously their whole family had been poisoned and died and Constance had been blamed for it, um, but had the, she'd been you know, found not guilty or something. They couldn't charge her anyway. So they live and they live in complete isolation. Constance is an agoraphobic and it is Mary Cat who has to go down to the local town to get supplies where she's hideously abused by the town folk. Um, One day their cousin shows up and he... um, treats Mary Cat quite badly. He finds out that she's doing things like burying coins because she's really into spell work. And he finds out she's been burying coins and he's basically trying to get at the family's money through Constance. Um, and yeah, some catastrophes happen and it's all about the sister's relationship. And like you said before, we've got this sister, Constance, who is very traditional, you know, gorgeous kind of domestic housewife you know the epitome of what you think when it comes to like 50s 60s housewife and then you've got mary cat who is like the witch the witchy sister she's angry she's you know she's very strong um yeah what did you think about this adaptation i really liked it and i love the novel so i went into it on guard like, you know, I went into it like, they better not fuck with us. This is my, you know, I love this. Yeah. I do have two notes for the script writers, director, you know, anyone involved with the film would like to listen to me. I have two notes. One about the beginning and one about the ending. And okay. I'll share the 
beginning one with you now. And then when we get to the ending, I'll share the ending one. But the beginning is Mary Cat sits down and starts narrating. My name is Mm -hmm. Mary Catherine Blackwood. And they did a huge disservice with not reading the actual beginning of the novel. Right. Because this is how the novel begins. If, if I could be obnoxious and read it to you. Go for it. This is how my name is Mary Catherine Blackwood. I'm 18 years old and I live with my sister Constance. I've often thought that with any luck at all, I could have been born a werewolf because the two middle fingers on both my hands are the same length. But I've had to be content with what I had. I dislike washing myself and dogs and noise. I like my sister Constance and Richard Plantagenet and Amina Felides, the death cup mushroom. Everybody else in my family is dead. That really sets up for me beautifully who Mary Cat is. Mm. In the film, she comes across very anxiety ridden, which she is in the book, but she's also spunky. Like she has this real spunkiness to her. She hates the townspeople. Like she, and as she's going into town and they're singing to her about, you know, Mary Cat, Mary Cat, she's like, I wish I could step on their dead bodies and trample them. And I wish I could like, like, she's had yeah. all these fantasies about just torturing them. And we don't really get that vibe. And I think if yeah. they had had her even just read that part, it would have given us a little more of a sense yeah. of her internal work and how she's nuts. she's not she's constantly like we're going to the moon the moon is where my garden is and she's got that cat and the cat's going to the moon like she is absolutely nuts and we don't get we get more of like an anxiety from her that I would have liked more the craziness yeah I think I like you saying that I think I would have liked that too because obviously this is set in what the I assume it's because it's a 62 novel set around the 60s kind of we're gonna go early 60s late 50s maybe how does witchiness come from this Mm -hmm. child basically a child you know I know she's 18 but like where does that come from and you know if you're saying that in the book she is just wild then I'd understand that whereas this seems just very nervous which I kind of I, I liked um I liked that energy of her that she's just so like you know she's like basically like my sister's away with the fairies and you know as we go on we learn that it is it was mary cat who poisoned her whole family and her sister took the blame so she has got that anxiety where she's like you know i kind of owe my sister protection um so i understand that nervous energy but yeah i think i would have liked and like don't get me wrong taisa is very good at like that kind of neurotic slightly yeah, yeah fragile anxiety yeah and it almost felt like the witchiness was like ocd or something yeah. in the movie whereas yeah. in the book it feels more and she gives it back to the cousin in the book more like she yeah. more defined like she doesn't speak to him just like in the film but she's more defiant yeah. in her you know just the way she stands there and yeah. glares at him instead of like recoiling from him yeah yeah Oh, I, I yeah I wish it had been a bit more like that um because like at times like I did like her but at times I was a bit like come on <laughs> like you know let's yeah. let's amp it up a bit um what what did you think of kind of 
it as an adaptation? Do you think it was a good adaptation of the source? I did. I did enjoy it. And I thought it was beautiful to look at. I thought it was a gorgeous film. Um, I thought the casting was really good. Again, I would like taste it to have been a little more spunky. Um, In the book, Mary Cat, you forget Mary Cat's 18. She almost comes across as like 12. Yeah. But that's because they're both so isolated and sheltered. And, you know, they're just so weird. Um, And I love the Uncle Julian. And, you know, I thought he was fantastic. He was really good. So they were very faithful to the source material for the most part. Again, we'll talk about the ending in a minute where I felt like they could have stuck more to it. So I I felt like whoever made this really read the novel and understood the assignment way more than the haunting you know understood like this is kind of what Shirley Jackson was trying to get at um but they really didn't touch on the humor as much as you get Mm. in the the novel there is a lot of humor in the novel Mm. too and this was much more serious I felt but you know it's the same thing you have those ladies coming for tea and they're sniffing around about like was this the dining room is this where it happened and you know like you get all that like the the townspeople so gossipy and they they you know they love to hate this family yeah yeah that was probably like I mean I know Charles is meant to be you know the disturbing character but I think I found the town folk like just that scene where you know, there's this terrible fire happening and it's not even where they go in to loot the place. It's where they're standing outside and like jeering and, you know, almost like, you know, so delighted that this house is burning down and these two sisters are probably inside. Like, it's just, I found, and even like the fact that the children do it as well, like that is so disturbing. I, th- I thought that was the most disturbing scene of the film. That was, and in the book, I actually found it scary in the mm-hmm. book. Like I, I don't find anything about the haunting of Hill House, the book, scary. Like, that's yeah. not a book where I'm going to, like, check under my bed. You know, it's not scary. <laughs> we always live in, man- in, in the castle. is not a scary book. But that scene actually scared me yeah. because the girls are so vulnerable and sheltered and naive. And, and you just don't know where the townspeople are going to end with that. Like, yeah. how far are they going to go they're ramping each other up and it just feels very very dangerous and the film did too I thought the film did a really good job with that like I I felt tense and stressed out and like oh these I mean you know as a woman these Mm -hmm. these you know you're defenseless you're not as strong as these men you're not going to be able to fight fight off a whole town full of people you know and I mean you you guys in Dublin just had that riot very recently these things are very scary it's Mm -hmm. very scary when these people get each other all crazy and frenzied and um so yeah I definitely I thought that was such a good part and such a scary part um in both the book and the film yeah Um, you know up till that it sort of feels harmless and then suddenly Mm. it's like oh wait a minute this is this not dark yeah do you feel like it kind of um what I kind of took from it was like the burning of witches and then you know they kind of emerge from the flames and the villagers are like we've pissed off a witch and they're still alive and this is where like the offering of the food comes in because so once the villagers have all sobered up and realized what absolute gobshites they were they come and they offer them food 
um, while the girls are kind of cleaning up the house and trying to put their lives back together and they leave them like baskets of chicken and pies. And I kind of got like this offering towards witches, towards deities, you know, that kind of vibe off it. I don't know if I'm completely off with that reading. Um, what do you think of it? No, see, the way I read, well, if I had just seen the film, that's how I would have read it. Mm. The book, and here's where I, here's my other note for the filmmaker. <laughs> here's my other note. <laughs> In the book, they bring, it's not all at once the food. Right. Every day, someone different brings an offering. Okay. So the girls can stay in the house and survive because this food is being brought. Plus, they still have their garden. And I read it almost as, you know how like our monsters define us? Like our urban legends the, the monsters we create in our little cultures and in our little groups are us. They're like, they yeah. define us and they give us something. So as much as the townspeople hated Mary Cat and Constance and their family, they also need them. Mm. They need them to be there. They yeah. need to gossip about them. They need to hate them. They need to bond over hating them. Mm. So I almost felt like they were sustaining them. Because they needed yeah. to keep them there. And it's almost like the girls are now haunting that mm. house. The, the girls almost become like ghosts in their own house, but they're happy. Yeah. They're happy. They're, they're being left alone. Yeah. With what they want. And I mean, I'm like, I would love someone to come bring me food every day. And I don't <laughs> ever have to leave my house. It sounds magical. But they're happy together in that house. The house is a, a mess. They're wearing tablecloths, like clothes. I mean, it's craziness. Yeah. And people come every day and bring them food and like leave little notes like we're sorry and da da da, and it 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 really is like the townspeople want to care for them because they know they need them on some level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so in one of the like you said, they're wearing tablecloths and they bring out this big white sheet, and then at the end they're both dressed in white. Do you think that that is obviously the the symbolism of them becoming ghosts? Kind of. Yeah. Don't yeah. they look kind of ghostly yeah. in the land? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was wondering whether it was like, you know, white for purity or whatever, you know, now they've kind of been cleansed of like, you know, Uncle Julian was kind of bogged them down a little bit, you know, let's not lie, <laughs> bless him. I mean, it was because fucking Mary Cat poisoned him, but, you know, he was always like demanding stuff from Constance and, you know. He was, he was so a- obsessed with his right. I always yeah. feel like that was a Shirley Jackson, like nudge, nudge, wink, wink, because he's so obsessed with his writing and the importance mm-hmm. of his writing and my papers and make sure no one touches my papers. And what about today if I write chapter 44? <laughs> Nothing is more boring than hearing writers talk about writing. It's the most boring thing in the world, right? And Shirley Jackson herself, brilliant. She's a brilliant writer. Absolutely brilliant and very famous and successful during her time made a lot she was the breadwinner in her family Mm. through her writing and her husband tried to pretend like he was the you know he's the intellectual he's the artist and almost like she was this savant who Uh just stumbled upon the writing by luck yeah kind of a thing so I almost felt like uncle Julius was sort of like her husband you know like that kind of critical male patronizing mansplaining voice yeah 
who is just super, super boring and super <laughs> self-involved in his own nonsense. Yeah. That, you know, everyone else is like, we don't care about this book. What do you even talk? You know, like, yeah. let it go. Let it go. Yeah. But <laughs> But yeah, it kind of felt like they've been purged of like that as well as um, cousin Charles as well. You know, he's greed. Um, brilliantly and played he, by Sebastian Stan, by the way. Uh, he's, he's really good. He was yeah. really well cast. And and he is that outside influence coming in. They had this really, they had this nice little set. Oh, yes, you, you have to kill the rest of your family to get this. But okay. <laughs> All right. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Right. <laughs> And then they had this nice little setup of just the two of them and making their cakes and playing with the cat. And then he's this external influence coming in with his car, Italy, newspapers, you know, just kind of crashing in yeah. on their little world. Yeah. Um, so would you recommend We Have Always Lived in the Castle to horror fans? I would recommend it again with the caveat of if you're looking for a slasher film, yeah, you know, this is not Evil Dead Rise. This is not, <laughs> you know, if that's what you're in the mood for, this is not going to yeah. hit that spot. Yeah. But in terms of being a really elegant film, I mm. felt, you know, if you really want to watch something elegant, psychological, if you are a Shirley Jackson fan, you will enjoy this. They did a really nice job with it. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for something like slightly witchy, you know, female kind of centric. Mm. Um, yeah, haunted. The haunted female, I think, is a good a good uh, name mm. for this kind mm-hmm. of genre. Um, yeah, I, I would recommend. I re- I didn't think I would enjoy it, but I actually, because I'm gonna be honest, I do like I do like the ultra violence and the <laughs> the out and out horror. But I re I actually really liked this one. I did, I did, and I I love one of um, Tace's um end quotes is like i wonder if i could eat children and mm. constance goes i don't think i could cook a full one <laughs> like, you know it's just it i i really appreciated that last i thought that was quite that's funny. the beauty of the book too is that as as crazy as mary cat gets you know constance is like oh were you on the moon are you back from the moon like she just kind of goes along with it and that that's what's missing from the haunting is that What's really engaging about the haunting is Theo and Nell and Luke, they're constantly like teasing each other and playing with each other. And there's a lot of witty dialogue and they really, you know, they didn't quite grasp that. They tried to with this one and the castle, they, they did a kind of good job with it. You know, like the dialogue was, was close. It was pretty good. So out of the two, I take it you would choose. We have always lived in the castle. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, are there any other Shirley Jackson adaptations that you would like to see done? Or would you like to see perhaps another film outing of The Haunting? Yeah. Part of me wants another The Haunting of Hill House, but then I feel like, you know, we've got Mike Flanagan, we've got mm. the night. 63. Um, in terms of her writing, I have not read everything that I would like to read yet by mm-hmm. her. So I'm sure there are other things that would be good. Every school child has to read the lottery. I don't think we need, you know, we people have tried to do that one. That one's hard mm-hmm. to do, I think. And I, I think we can let that one rest. Everyone has read it. Everyone knows yeah. the surprise ending. Um, so I don't think that would be as entertaining. But I think I am going to try to read some more of her novel length things. Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe 
And I don't believe there have been films made of some of her other things. I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. So maybe that would be an area yeah. where people look. Yeah. I am definitely going to try it and get into her stuff. Um, I've kind of, I was, you know, you get those moments where you're devouring books and mm-hmm. then you just stop. And that's me at the moment. I've just like stopped reading. Um but yeah, I I am gonna gonna try and get into um her stuff. Um, so thank you so much for coming on and chatting yeah. Shirley Jackson with me. Uh, we've been meaning to do her for for quite a while. Yeah. So yes, thank you so much. And where can people find you on social media if they would like to do so? I'm all over the place. Um, <laughs> so I am on Facebook and YouTube as Elaine Pascal. I am on Twitter. X, whatever the heck it's called, and <laughs> Instagram as Doc Laney. That was my chat there with Elaine Pascal about Shirley Jackson and two film adaptations of her stories. So we talked about 1999's The Haunting, which is directed by Yann de Bont, as well as 2018's We Have Always Lived in the Castle, directed by Stassi Passon. What did you think? of this week's episode are you a fan of Jackson's work are you a fan of these adaptations let me know on twitter at what underscore scream or on instagram at what a scream and don't forget to rate review subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening to me on like I said at the top of the episode this is the last episode of season two if you want to keep up with some more um horror movie stuff you can find me on tiktok where i do you know little horror movie recommendations etc uh, my handle is at water screen podcast just to keep you satiated until the launch of season three in february i'm very excited um th- the plan is for the opening one to be quite quite an interesting one um so yeah i hope everyone has had a really good festive season and is is having a really good new year i hope 2024 is going to be a good year for people um i want to say thank you so much to everyone who guested on the podcast in 2023 who had me as a guest on their podcast in 2023 um thank you to of course all of you lovely listeners, I really appreciate it. I can't believe I'm about to head into season three of Water Scream. That is crazy to me. Um, thank you so much. And as always, stay horrific. Goodbye.